We would like to thank one of our sponsors of the podcast, Leader Equine. Based in Victoria, Australia, Leader Equine can assist with all your horse care needs. They distribute leading global brands, including Horseware Island, TRM, PS of Sweden, Goodbye Flies, and Epona Grooming. Leader Equine have an array of products to help with all elements of horse care. The Horseware Ice Vibe and Rambo Ionic products are perfect for supporting the recovery of competition horses. Their TRM range includes everything from joint supplements, digestive supplements, and much more. All tried, tested, and effective. Hello, and welcome to Equestrian Hub. I'm Christine Armashaw. Today, we're talking with Sam Lyle, Level 3 Eventing Specialist Coach. Hey, Sam, welcome along. Why don't you give us a bit of background and tell us how you got into coaching? I guess the quick summary of my equestrian career is I started pretty late. At the age of about 13, 14, my mum bought a little five-acre farm that came with a horse and my sisters got into riding and then I followed. Yeah, okay. Um, so I was a late starter into horse riding. I lived across the road from a guy called Simon Cale who was really big in eventing at the time and also in the coaching with the NCS coaching scheme. Yeah. And um, so I really I got into riding pretty intensively pretty quickly. Uh, I was really lucky that one of my my second horse was a horse called Foxground Findara that we actually bought from Simon. And yeah, he yeah. took me through to my first junior, what was novice at the time, and so junior novice, and then wound up riding him three and four star, uh, what's now called four and five star level. So I was really lucky that wow. one of my sort of first horses was a real, just an absolute champion. And that took me through to taking him overseas and competing over there a bit, and living in uh, Holland and then England. Yeah. Then I came back to Australia and have been doing this ever since. Oh, wow. It was like, was that horse, had it already gone up through the ranks or did it do everything with you? No, Simon had ridden the horse to novice level, which uh, yellow, so it's now called two-star level. Yep. Um, and so we bought him from Simon as a already two-star level horse. Mm-hmm. And then I went back some levels on him and then progressed my way through from, I can't remember what level I did my first event on him with, but progressed through from two-star to what's now called five-star. Wow. Like, yeah, like literally all the way. That's so cool. Yeah. How long ago or how far from that point did you get into coaching and why? Uh, I got into coach, so I, I, I can't remember what year I was in at school at that sort of stage, um, but certainly kept riding as much as I could through school. I actually went to school in Sydney, so I'd come down to our little place on the weekends and school holidays, and I was just a horse nut. I'd spend as much time as I could riding on the weekends and holidays, and then when I left school, um, got sort of rode full-time and um, worked for a few different people, and because I'd been across the road from Simon and he had a big influence early on in my career, mm. he was very into the coaching scheme and the coaching and I saw that as a way to make a living. I was always aware that I needed to find a way to pay for the horse riding yeah. and the coaching certainly seemed, um, you know, the way to get in and do that. Oh, okay. So that was actually something that was like really quite early on, like you just sort of saw it part and parcel, you do both together. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the level of coaching I did and the amount of coaching I did was really different early on. Sure. But I think I did my level one exam probably first year out of school. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And so, and have you coached all the way through since then? Yeah, yeah. 
And is that is that like what you do now completely as your full time job? I've, I, obviously, you've got your horses at your work, or is that just make up part of what you do? Uh, definitely just part of what I do. Um, I'm still riding. I've got a number of competition horses and then a number of schooling and sales horses. Sure. So I think today I rode 13 or 14 horses and taught a couple of lessons. It's part of what I do, but certainly not not all my day, yeah. Yeah, okay, sure, sure. Well, I think like one of the reasons we were really interested to talk to you about um, coaching is because we do a lot of interviews with people who are um, – obviously riders and horse trainers and then even other people who are vets and body workers and things like that. But um, coaching, that, that's not one that we've done a lot on as far as an actual another career path for people to look at going down for horses and paying their way, so to speak. So um, I know that you've done fairly well as far as I think you've gotten, was it coach of the year with New South Wales? Is that right? Yeah, I got New South Wales coach of the year. Yeah, years ago now, I can't actually remember when. Yeah, awesome. Well done. What are some of the key things that you find as a coach that you need to pass on to someone? Rather than, you know, if you're not asking for what sort of particularly technical stuff, I mean, I guess I try to pass on, I try to get riders to think for themselves and be able to, I guess, almost self-coach, self-assess and trying to, um, you know, look to some degree of being able to coach yourself as you're riding. Mm -hmm. Another thing is that, I coach riders of all different levels, so a little bit being happy the level you're at, that you're at, try and enjoy this. You know, most people I coach are doing the sport for enjoyment, for fun. Uh-huh. So it's okay to stay at the level you're enjoying. Don't feel pressure to go up. That's a really interesting one. Yeah, okay. And then, um, yeah, I guess they're two of the two big things. Yeah, right. Okay, so um, when you're saying about coaching yourself, like – I, I get what you're saying, and I think that's really, really important because um, one of those biggest things you will often hear people say, like, oh, the horse goes so well during my lesson, but then when I'm doing this on my own, I can't get it to go the same. So what kind of things do you try to put in place that actually make someone take stock and actually, you know, work their own way through whatever they might be encountering? I guess asking them questions. So how did that speed feel coming to that jump did you think you were straight i might not even guide the question that much i might say okay if you were coming to that jump what what do you think you could improve about it and then they have to go oh yeah i didn't quite get straight there or i think i was a bit too fast or too slow or trying to get them to ask themselves a little bit yeah sure so then obviously when you're not there then they can actually kind of recreate that and and i don't I don't do that all the time. It depends a bit from student to student and where I think they're at and the situation. So if it's a group situation versus a clinic versus someone I coach a lot, it will obviously, you know, it will change to some degree. Mm -hmm. But I do want to get people that they can understand when it's been good or bad and why. Yeah, okay, sure, sure. So as far as um, I think, being a coach versus a teacher, is that what you would describe as some of the, the main considerations, like really getting that self-thought happening? As opposed to just saying, right, you know, go to that line, do it in this many strides, A, B, C, more just that getting people thinking for themselves. I'll definitely do do but that, you know, say, right, oh, we're going to jump this and do six strides here, it'll be a bit steady. Yeah. Um, Cross-country, you're going to come in and you're going to 
jump this one and you're going to turn left and jump that one. You know, give them directions what I want. But it is important and the research shows that people learn better by making their own mistakes Mm, and then assessing it. So you do want to sort of channel into that. Yeah, okay. And then you're saying about teaching people of all different levels. Um, what, What kind of level have you... So obviously you've written to five star. What kind of level have you coached people up to? I was the assistant coach at the Beijing Olympics, so pretty high. Wow, yeah, right, pretty high indeed. Okay. And yeah, then so the, the World Championships in 2006 and the Beijing Olympics in 2008, I was the assistant coach. Sure, okay. So obviously you've felt the feeling of being under pressure as a rider. How how do you switch hats when you become the coach in that situation? You're dealing with the rider who is under that pressure. Do you feel the pressure the same? How, how does it affect you? I think it's different. Uh, when you're riding, I'd probably get more nervous before I do it and less nervous whilst I'm doing it. Okay. When I'm coaching, it's probably the other way around. Before the actual competition round starts, I'm more relaxed, but when they're actually competing, I'm more nervous. Oh, okay. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Once I'm riding, you sort of are a bit in the moment and doing the job you need to do. But once someone's in the competition arena as the coach, you know it's all up to them and obviously you really hope for them that they go well. And so I feel a lot more nervous when I'm riding before I get on and then and before I'm competing, but when I'm coaching, I feel much more nervous when the person I've been helping is actually competing. Mm, sure, it's interesting. It's almost like that's that bit that you, you're out of control at that point and you can't do anything more other than hope they remember everything that you're Absolutely. talking about. <laughs> yeah, I hope, hope that you, hope you gave them the right advice, hope they do it well, hope that things go well for them. Sometimes there's a bit of luck involved. You, know, you just hope everything goes well for them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So as far as, as being um, with from that coaching perspective, what are some of the biggest challenges you've encountered with, um, you know, it, it maybe high and lower levels? I think in general with the coaching, it's trying to balance everything as far as with my own writing, with family, with life, trying to fit everything in, trying to balance giving people the help that you'd like to and also having time to focus on my own writing mm-hmm. um, has definitely been a challenge. Yeah, okay, you can imagine. Is it, how, how much do you do when you're saying today you've ridden about 13 or 14 horses and a bit of coaching? Like um, what's, your, what's a typical week's worth of coaching look like? Do you, do you coach every day or is it just a handful of days a week? No, look, I'm... I, would, I don't know what other coaches do. I probably average two lessons a day. Um, okay. Say on Friday I've got four lessons. On Saturday I've got two. Today I did two. Tomorrow I'm going to do two. Yeah, so I'd probably average two a day um, and then ride approximately sort of between 10 and 13 horses, something like that. Gosh, wow, that's a lot of horses every day. Yeah. When you're actually coaching, do you feel like that improves your own riding as well? Or does it affect how you ride because you're getting to also watch and experience what you're seeing? Yeah, that definitely can help my riding, definitely. Uh, when you're coaching, you need to try and break everything down. It depends on the level you're coaching, but sure. often it's about breaking the processes down and trying to get a really clear message on what helps the horses go better. And so then I'll get home from coaching or doing a clinic and think, okay, well, 
I was talking to someone about this simple exercise, if they can do this well, that'll help their horses go better. And I'm like, well, I better make sure I can do it on my own horses. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely, coaching has definitely helped my riding. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I, and I think that's – I've experienced that as well, just when you, you know, you've had that kind of feeling of if you say this or you watch this and then you can go give it a try, what a, an improvement it can create. Or, or at least it gives you a better handle because I think what happens with one horse is obviously not going to always happen with the next and – yeah, 100%. And as far as, you know, say you obviously started coaching quite some time ago with um, under, well, was it under the guidance of Simon or was it just him who inspired you to get into the coaching? Probably a bit of both. Yeah, okay. um, first, first sort of coaching in clinics I did were just down at the local pony club and then, you know, another pony club asks you to go and do a day there. So you sort of go and do a group day of pony club coaching and, just sort of evolved from there. Then you do a few private lessons and, yeah. Hey, Presto, you're a coach. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So from looking back to then to now, um, what are some of the ways that your coaching has evolved? Uh, I've gone through the NCAS level one, two, and three process, so that's been part of the development of the coaching. Mm-hmm. I think watching other people and watch and having lessons myself and being coached by other coaches I respect. And then another way it's evolved is actually coaching. So I'll do a clinic and every time, you know, at the end of the lesson, I just think to myself, okay, did I handle that situation well? Say if a horse has been stopping at a cross country jump, you'll think, okay, what could we have done different? Did I perhaps overface the horse or did I not give the horse enough warm-up of similar but smaller versions of the jump? Could I have handled the way it was stopping differently? Uh, you know, just constantly asking questions about how I could have perhaps improved a session mm-hmm. and trying to take that forward to the next session. So definitely coaching has improved the coaching, my coaching. Yeah. So you're actually doing like quite a lot of like self-analysis, actually a little bit like what you were saying that you're encouraging the riders to do while they're riding absolutely yeah like i i don't know how other coaches are but certainly at the end of basically if i'm cross country doing a cross country clinic as i'm walking between jumps to the next jump i'll sort of be thinking oh, okay what should we do next what did i do there could that have been better or i'll drive home if there's been a problem and think to myself about how i could have handled something differently um yeah so constantly trying to self-analyze the lesson or the session and how you can make that better. We would like to thank one of our sponsors of the podcast, Leader Equine. Based in Victoria, Australia, Leader Equine can assist with all your horse care needs. They distribute leading global brands, including Horseware Island, TRM, PS of Sweden, Goodbye Flies and Epona Grooming. Leader Equine have an array of products to help with all elements of horse care. The Horseware Ice Vibe and Rambo Ionic products are perfect for supporting the recovery of competition horses. Their TRM range includes everything from joint supplements, digestive supplements and much more. All tried, tested and effective. I personally love the Horseware Island rugs and I see the PS for Sweden saddlecloths out there and they look really schmick. Yeah, right. That's really, really interesting because I've been with you and, and had some different um, lessons and done clinics and private lessons with you. And I, I find you to be a really um, quiet spoken and very calm, relaxed type person. It's really interesting hearing what's going on like inside your head when, you know, in between times. Um, 
because you always wonder you always wonder oh no what's yeah, I, thinking <laughs> yeah yeah right I, I definitely try to be um, calm in the coaching and um, I think the days of you know yelling and screaming and you got to get over that jump and I make make the horse do it blah 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 I think that's a little bit past I try to present as a calm coach and Sure. Um, it's yeah. actually interesting that you say that because you're probably one of the first people that I encountered um, where, because you know, back in the day, like you have a horse that's stopping at, you know, it's like in front of a ditch, say, um, rather, you know, you were always told like, you know, get it over, don't let it turn away, you know, go, go, hit it, whatever. Um, and you're one of the first people I watched you with another lady and her horse uh, just was not keen on the ditch, but it was very much go up to it, let it have a look, and then let it back away. And everything was so step by step without actually winding the horse up into a, a frantic state, which I thought was really interesting. Um, did she get over the ditch in the end? She did. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Then. That's she did. She got over the ditch, and and then and then the horse got better, and it went from walking to trotting. I don't know if she ever ended up cantering, but um. But it wasn't just stand there and basically, you know, beat it until it goes, which I think is very refreshing because that's uh, not necessarily yeah. the best way. Which is yeah, kind of look. I I I, I think you know, there's other coaches I talk to and respect, and there's definitely a move away from that old school. You have to make them do it, and blah blah. Yeah, I mean, look, I can't speak to all coaches, obviously, but I have spoken to you know, if I'm doing a clinic with a group of coaches. I really enjoy sitting down at lunch or the end of the day or something, talking to them about their idea on different things or asking them questions on, you know, what do you think of this or that? And, um, there's definitely been a move away from that yelling and screaming at students, you've got to go over it or you're going to wreck your horse. Yeah. Um, and I, like I said, I think there's a few reasons for that. Um, some of that's liability. I'm very much of the opinion that, you know, I will encourage a student, like if they're looking at a jump they've been nervous of and I'll be like, no, I think you can do it and, you know, you're better off to try and do it with a good coach here uh, helping you through the process and today's a good day, your horse has been going great. So I'll encourage them to do it. Yep. But at the end of the day, if they don't want to do it, I will drive home and my days are easier if they don't try and do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like if you've got someone who's a bit nervous and wants to jump a jump but they're not sure and blah, blah, it's much easier just to walk past the jump, but I will try and encourage them to a point. But sure. essentially, it has to be their own decision. You know, I'm talking cross country more than show jumping, but it has to be the rider's decision to do it. And I think that partially that's coming from a liability point of view. Times have changed with all of that. Mm. Um, but if they don't want to do it, what's my place to make them do it? Like I said at the start, one of the things is people need, most people out having a lesson and doing eventing or show jumping or riding their horse because it's fun. It's their their hobby and their relaxation. So why try and make them do something that's going to terrify them? It's, I just, it's just, I don't see the point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, and as far as, as them feeling nervous and things like that, do you focus much on the mind and and how this like you know i think a lot of it really comes down to what is going on and someone said like they might be like i really really want to do this thing so they've already said you know keen want to but you know this struggling with with dealing with things that scare them mentally yeah um something you probably have to ask people i've coached i think i do at times mm -hmm. um you know i'll try and talk to them about 
things such as, look, everyone gets nervous before cross-country. You watch, um, we just had Bettina Hoy coaching the Aussie team down at Melbourne the other day, and I saw a thing she and Blythe Tate did. And Bettina said, oh, I sort of miss riding and competing, but I certainly don't miss the nervous feeling in the start box of the cross-country or in the warm-up of the cross-country, I think she said. Yes. You know, everyone even at the highest levels gets nervous. So I'll talk to people about that. And it's actually nerves can be good. Nerves can be good for you uh, if they're channeled in the right way and they don't make you freeze up. They, make, they can make you focus and try that bit harder and really that little extra bit of effort because you are nervous it really like I said, focuses you. So I will talk through all of that sort of stuff with people. Um, For me, there's a difference in being nervous of stuffing up versus scared of getting hurt. Um, You know, cross country is a dangerous, more dangerous than if you're out playing chess, obviously, or doing dressage. Yeah, sure. Um, Not to say you can't get hurt doing dressage, but, you know, I think if someone's genuinely scared of being hurt, that's a different conversation to if they're just nervous about, oh, I don't want to stuff up or, you know, yeah. Mm, okay, okay. And um, what would be some of the things that you might say to a, a client that you're, you know, who's just about to go out? Like how, how do you help them calm or focus their nerves? Big thing, it depends a bit between show jumping and cross country. A big thing I try and tell people if they're, nervous is actually try and think of the process try and think of the things that are going to help you do it better so getting your speed right getting your line right to the jump try and keep having that conversation going on in your head about Mm -hmm. okay how's my speed feel am i going where i want to go if it's cross country and they've just landed from one jump okay where's my line to the next jump uh okay what speed do i need to be going when i get there how do i make my turn and set up my approach whatever things they need to think about to help the uh, course go well, I really try and emphasise to people to focus on those details rather than, holy crap, what if I stop at number six? Or, you know, focus your mind on the details that will help you go well Mm -hmm. rather than the outcome. Sure. So, like, literally focus on the things that you've got, like, some influence over. Yeah, like if your mind, if you're thinking, how's my speed, how's my speed, how's my speed, your mind's not going to be thinking, geez, I'm nervous of this, geez, I'm nervous of this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, foc- foc- you put it well, focus on the things you've got control over, focus on the things that will help you do it well. Yeah, okay. Well, then that, yeah, that stands to reason. There's no point in stressing about the bits that are, are not fixable when you've got plenty of things that you could be adjusting or adhering to. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. If anyone was pondering getting into coaching themselves, what what would you what bits of advice or encouragement would you offer them? I do really believe in the NCAS scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's gone through a bunch of different iterations, and the coaching pathway. I'm not sure exactly how clear it is right at the moment because it seems to be ever evolving. But I was, we've got a young girl who's come to our place and wants to make a career in it and in horses and coaching and riding and I still use every time I teach a lesson stuff I learned in doing that the level one coaching um, so I do think that's a really good starting place to setting out as a coach obviously then you can get your insurance through it but I think you can get insurance without it but the uh, the fundamentals that that taught me still I use every time I teach a lesson Wow, okay. Um, 
So I do actually really believe in that as a scheme. Um, it was really different when I did it. You had to go and do a lot of training to teach days and you had to teach lessons in front of the examiners um, compared to now where I think it's more just assessed by um, coach educators. So it, it was a really reasonably rigorous process just to get your level ones back when I did it. Um, and like I said, I, I still use the basic lesson structure every time I teach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do believe in that. And then the next thing after that, try and hang around and watch coaches you respect yeah, okay. so that you see how they do it and how they plan their lesson or structure their lesson and ultimately some of the things they say. And then the next thing, coach. I really go down to the local pony club and volunteer and you know, you obviously you've got to look at insurance within that. But I have really found that probably the biggest thing that's helped me coach is coaching. Okay, right. So physically doing it. Get in, get in and do it. You know, like I said, just down at the local pony club and um, it's a good place to start through, you know, get in and, and have a go at it. Do you still use your whole lesson plans and um, those kinds of things when you're coaching? Or? Yeah, so no, I don't use any lesson plans I, I did back in the day, but more just the structure, you know, your introduction, the summary at the end, the, um, the idea of uh, when there's a group situation, some of the, the lesson safety, the, the ride safety things, it's more just the structure of the lesson I use rather than the detailed lesson plan. And it's not, it's not formalised like when, I, you, when you did the exams and the proper lesson plan, but, you know, the basic idea of having an introduction and an explanation of what you're going to do. Demonstration is a bit harder when it's private and group lessons, but just that idea of breaking the lesson up into sections and this is what we're going to do today and we're going to work on this and... and you know, bring someone in and then talk to them. This is what I saw that was good. This is how I think we can fix the things that we need to and go out and uh, practice that or or have a go at doing the things we just spoke about. Just the basic lesson structure still, and maybe without doing the NCAA's course, you still come away thinking that's a good way to form your lesson. But I would really recommend that uh, system as a good way of teaching people how to, give a good effective lesson. Yeah, like I, I can definitely vouch for the times that have been in your lessons that um, it's always straightforward and, and easy to follow and the bit at the end where we all get like, what are you working on or you should carry on working on this bit here is invaluable because I think there's so many things that happen within a session that if you, you can focus on the last, I don't know, the top three things that you can actually go home and go, right, we need to focus on this, this and this then, you know, you really feel like you got some value out of it and, and something that you can actually keep chipping away at. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm pleased that you enjoyed them. Yeah, no, they're great. They're great. So I'll have to actually arrange to come out and get some more. Um, <laughs> all right, cool, Sam. Thanks so much for your time. We'll catch up again soon. No worries at all. Thanks a lot, Kristen. Yes, bye.